we are getting ready. If you saw my Facebook posting this morning, you know we are wrapping up. And, and I want to thank uh, uh, Steve Day for filling in for me while I was gone. I want to thank you for allowing me. Uh, I had one of the greatest times uh, with my father-in-law. Uh, just being together with him, uninterrupted time. It's something that I have wanted to do for Father's Day for a while. And I thank you for allowing me that opportunity. Uh, but I know you had a great time and you uh, had a great service. And uh, we have been talking about being world changers. And we are getting ready to lift our... You need the clicker. Oh, did I turn it off? That's helping me out. We got a new clicker, so I'm on a learning curve here. Thank you, sir. Okay, so before we get started, let's grab our Bibles, whatever form, electronic or paper, whatever it is, and we're getting ready. Getting ready to, because this is something we, we don't want the Word of God just in our heads. We don't want the Word of God just to be something that we do religiously. We want it to become part of our lives. So, this book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Amen. And then, would you say it with me, convinced the living water changes everything one life at a time. And yes, I said it the right way. <coughs> you say, well, why is that important? Because that's what drives us at North Lake Church. That's our purpose. Jesus Christ has changed our lives, and we know that he wants to change others. Amen? Amen. All right, we're talking about being world changers. And we've talked about many aspects of being a world changer. Each of these, uh, uh, building on one another. And I, I want to just say, here's as we culminate this series and, and end it, uh, here's the point about being a world changer, if you haven't caught it yet in some of the other things. And that is oftentimes the world will press us into what it means to be a world changer, and it has to do with popularity, position, wealth, and all these false things about what it is to be a world changer. But the key ingredient, if you really want to be a world changer for eternity, is to give your life to Christ. When he has your life, when he has your heart, you can be not just a world changer in a temporary way. You will change your world for all eternity. And so we talked about the first aspect being time. That time is very important because as you give your time to God, God will use it for eternity. So uh, not focused on my own, but giving my time to God. Then we talked about playing your position. That was the part one. And we talked about how in our society, 
many times mothers specifically, this was our Mother's Day message, are relegated to a role that is demeaning. And mothers really don't mean much. Mothers are valuable. They're the most important people with our children. They are world changers. So we talked about that, and we talked about how that not just in the position of mother, but in whatever position God gives you, you are to play your position according to His glory, for His purpose. Don't get so caught up, well, nobody knows my name. Well, you know what? That's highly overrated. No one knows who I am. So what? The, the, the 12 disciples weren't known at all. But they were world changers. Why? Because they got a hold of the Lord and they said, Lord, work through us. So don't sell yourself short in the kingdom of God. You may never stand behind a platform, but God has a plan for your life. For you to reach your family, your workplace, wherever you are. Then we talked about relationships. The fact is, is that when God puts you in a certain area and you touch people's lives, the kingdom of God is all about relationships. Whether God allows you to have a relationship with someone at the grocery store for 30 seconds or whether God connects you with someone in your life for 30 years, Every part of that, when you serve your life as unto God, has purpose. That's why we had the class where we talked about getting your testimony ready to where you could give a 30-second testimony, a one-minute testimony, a three-minute testimony, a five-minute testimony, a 30-minute testimony. And by the way, speaking of testimonies and relationships... Rose, I don't see her here today, but Rose came up to me last night and said, Pastor Brian, I got to tell you. She said, you know, I went through that class on telling my testimony and I got to share Jesus with someone yesterday. And she said, I was so thankful for that class because she said it enabled me to, with confidence, talk about Jesus with someone else. She did it in a very tangible way. She just sh simply shared what God had done for her in removing the gordier on her wrist. And, and this lady, before she left, Rose thought, well, it didn't have much of an impact. The lady came back and thanked her for her stories about Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord! Relationships are important. Whether it's 30 seconds or 30 years or longer, God gives you relationships for a purpose, to be a world changer. Then we talked about the fact that we've got talent. And it, the world doesn't have all the talent. The body of Christ has some of the most significant talent. And, by the way, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it is supernatural talent. Did you hear what I said? You're not just in natural talent. When you give it to the Holy Spirit, it is supernatural God talent. That's exciting. Because 
When we do that, God can use you to be a world changer. We talked about the fact that not many people know who won Billy Graham to the Lord. But how many of you know it's very important who did? And that's why I say there's many in the Christian life that will be unsung heroes because they've simply been obedient to Jesus. And they maybe didn't hear from men or women on this earth all the plaudits and all the praise, but when they stand before him, they will hear, well done, good, faithful servant. Praise the Lord. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm focused on. I may not hear it from many here, but if I stand before my Lord and hear, well done. Praise God. That's where it's at. My shoe's untied. And if you know me well, if I don't tie it, I'm in trouble. <laughs> All right. So we talked about that. Then we've talked about bringing the tithes. The fact is, as God says, if we don't bring our tithe to him, we're robbing him. We talked about that. Then Steve, again, did such a good job in talking about playing your position, part two. And this is where we addressed fathers, specifically, and their playing of their position. But again, it's not just mothers and fathers. It's whatever position God's given you. Maybe you say, you know what, all I do is go and dig holes in the ground for irrigation systems. How can I be used by God in that position? You can be used in such a powerful way you don't even understand. All you have to do is say, God, I'm living for you, not for myself, not for this world, and God, you've given me the talent that I have, and as I give it to you, I thank you that you'll make me a world changer. Hallelujah. Then, the last part here, and I talked to you about this because, and it's called bring your offerings. And I, I want to go specifically to the passage, we're going to go to two passages of scripture, one found in Malachi one found in 2 Corinthians. First turn with the one in Malachi as we look at bring your offerings. Before we go there, though, let me summarize all of what we've talked about with these seven things on the board. And that is that uh, in these, in us bringing these to God, we become world changers. As we... As we Focus on saying, God, you've given me everything I have. I'm going to give it to you. That's what causes us to be a world changer. All right. So now let's go. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 8, specifically. And if you remember when we talked about tithe, I told you that we'd go back here. It says in verse number 8. 
Will a man rob God? Yet you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, this is where it gets... Uh, we're, we're preaching the word here. I've, I've had people say, well, but you know, I, I don't believe that tithe is, a, is a, a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing, and I've been set free of that. Well, we talked about the fact that Jesus said, uh, you should have practiced the former without forgetting the tithing. Okay, so he, he, he said you should have been full of mercy, but he said you should have also tithed. So he confirmed it. But here, this is the point that I want to make on us bringing these things to God, is it all belongs to God. My next breath belongs to God. That's why I didn't get too hung up on the fact that my voice isn't sounding right now the greatest. You know what? I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm going to thank him anyway. And the point is, if we realize whatever I have belongs to God. And so that's how you can understand that God says, bring your tithe and your offerings. I've had people say, well, I do give regularly, but I don't tithe. God says, you rob me in tithe and in offerings. So, I understand. I've had people say, yeah, but you don't understand what my income is. I said, I, I, don't, and no, I don't need to know because it's between you and God. But I will share this one thing. If you will not tithe or give offerings on $10 a month, you will not give it on 10000 a month. That is a fact. We can sit here and we can debate all the motive you want if with $10 you are not being faithful with the Lord, you will not be faithful with 10000 That is a biblical principle. So I say to you in love, stop fooling yourself. If you aren't tithing and giving the Lord of your offerings, you can tell him how you would if you'd win the lottery, but I'm telling you, it ain't going to happen. Because either God has your heart with $10 or $10,000, or he doesn't. All right, so let's move to 2 Corinthians then. Chapter 9, starting at verse number 6, 7, and 8. And this is really, uh, God says you rob me in tithe and in offering, but the next portion of scripture we're going to look at here talks about how we ought to be giving, the purpose and why we're giving, okay? So this becomes very important, and may I say whether it is tithe or whether it is offerings. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse number 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each 
One do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That is a praise the Lord scripture. Let's talk about these individually here. First, I want to talk about the natural law that God has put into place on sowing and reaping. This is a natural law that we see even in the world that is now. And he says, if you sow sparingly, you reap that way. How many of you know, and I don't do a garden here. <laughs> number one, I don't have time. And number two, I can't get anything to grow. I don't have a green thumb. Okay? just That's all right. I've given that up. <laughs> I've gotten past it. <laughs> I'm never going to be a, a person that... that plants a tomato plant and has a hundred tomatoes, okay? I'm lucky if I have a tomato and it's this big, <laughs> okay? But, but here's the point. If you go out, how many of you know when you're planting your garden, if you grow out, go out, grow out, if you go out and you plant one row of corn that's seven feet long, that you can't in August or September... Here, it could be even October, depending upon the weather. You can't go out and look in your garden and expect 15 rows, 10 wide of corn. I mean, you know, of course, that's obvious, Pastor. But we do that spiritually all the time. Do you get my point? We, we, we plant spiritually one row, and we pray, and we expect to have 15 rows. And God says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But now how many of you know, if what you have in your hand is only enough for one row, you plant that row. Praise God. And you thank God for that row. But then when you get the corn, guess what happens when you get the corn? You have the ability to do what? Plant more rows next year. If you're faithful and you be faithful with that one row, God will give you more corn and you'll be able to take those seeds and maybe the next year you'll be able to plant three rows. But if you haven't been faithful planting one row, probably not going to be with ten rows. Amen? So, if here's the natural law. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow abundantly, you reap abundantly. Jesus told a story in the Gospels of a woman who came to give. And I tell this story because in America especially, we get caught up in how much 
or amounts or number, whatever it is. We get focused on everything usually except for the right things. So Jesus tells this parable and it's awesome for us because he says to his disciples as this woman comes and brings her two mites. It's all she had, but she brought it. I'm going to hope that I don't trip. (laughs) So she brings her two mites, and she gives them to the Lord. And as she's walking away, Jesus says something incredible. He says to his disciples, do you see her? She gave more than anyone that is put in the plate so far. And the disciples said, well, what do you mean? He said, others gave out of their abundance. She gave all she had. So, see, we get caught up. Well, how much did that? doesn't matter. The, the, the point is, have you been faithful with the concept of sowing and reaping? It's a natural law. Now, here's the thing. If all you have is four seeds... Praise God for those four seeds. And if you plant them and you cultivate it, God will give you a harvest. And then from that harvest, you'll be able to reap more seeds. I'm already tripping, so I'm just going to stop and tie this. So if you're faithful as you do that, God will give you more so that you can be even more of a blessing. But again... So oftentimes, and sometimes in my own life, not just in the area of finances, in the area of it all belongs to the Lord, I plant spiritually four seeds, and I expect God for a hundred. If you will be faithful with what God gives you, God will give you more. So we just need to start saying, God, I'm going to be faithful with what I have. Amen? Amen. So sowing and reaping, but then God says something more. Listen to what he says here in verse number 7. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart. In other words, God's not interested in you knowing other people's business. (laughs) You hear me? We are always caught up. My wife sometimes calls me a schnauzer. (laughs) And if you know anything about German schnauzers, (laughs) you know that they have a tendency to say, hey, you ought to be doing this. And she says, you are such a schnauzer sometimes. (laughs) But you know, God's interested in me saying, Lord, what have you spoken to my heart? What am I to be doing according to you? And if we will do that, if we will take care of our heart, if we will steward our heart, and really this is what it's about, about being good stewards, If we would be a good steward with what God speaks to our heart, 
God will bless you in everything you do. And because I understand in our nation, we've been blessed to have the gospel preached in so many different arenas and ways, and yet I understand that there are ones who preach the gospel, just as Paul said, out of selfish ambition, to get gain. I understand. I've heard it. I've heard the, the, the gospel preached in a way that you can manipulate, but God settles that right here in his word. He says, do not give grudgingly or under compulsion. In other words, if someone has manipulated you to give, don't. Don't be manipulated by anybody. You hear in your heart what God says. Now, if God is speaking to you as someone shares a need, praise the Lord. We have all kinds of needs that we need for our summer activities. But we're not manipulating and wanting to manipulate you. We're simply putting the need out so that you can be blessed in helping. But the scripture says if you give under compulsion, that's the wrong kind of motive. If you give grudgingly, what does that mean? You say, well, I'm going to do it, but... You give, but you, you hate it while you're doing it. You, you give your tithe and your offering, but boy, you know, every time you write the check out, you say, I don't know why I'm doing this. That's grudgingly. God says, don't give it that way. Listen to what he says. Each one do what he's purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And really, it says a lot about our hearts. If we can't do it with a heart that is cheerful and is unto the Lord, our motives are wrong. If we give it because we want to either be recognized or want plaudence or want... If we give it for any other reason other than being obedient and faithful to God, we've done it for the wrong reason. But when you give unto the Lord from your heart, it makes all the difference. God can take whether you've given him a mite or whether you've given him 10, 15, 50, $100, God knows. And he, being the person he is, in verse number 8, it says, God is able. That we need to focus on. God is able. I may not know what your need is, but I know God is able. This, in case you're trying to read it, it's very small, but there is a point. It says, in the middle of the God, at the G there, big. He's a big God. You know what it says here? Little me. 
Sometimes we need to understand we're not the center of things. God is. We get to looking at our own self. We get to look at our own resources. We get to say, God, I don't have anything to give anyway. But God just says, well, what do you have? Just like the little boy with the lunch. See, we may think, you know what? My lunch is insignificant. But God took a little kid's lunch and fed thousands. God can take your little and make it huge. Because he's a big God. He's a huge God. And this is what he says. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That means God knows everything that you need. Physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, God knows every need of your being. And when we give to the Lord with a heart that is good, God says he's able to make all of that abound to you. And then listen to what it says. That always having all sufficiency. The word of God in Psalm says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. Now that doesn't give you the right to run around and say, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, I'm going because God's going to pay for it. God says he'll take care of your need. And it says you will be sufficient. That means full. That means taken care of. And then he says, in everything, praise the Lord. I love that. Because there are some that understand that having all you need has nothing to do with what the world says. I have seen some of the most miserable, uh, problem-riddled, suffering, heartbroken, crushed people that have had everything the world thought was important. And they're empty, and they're sad, and they're lost. But when you give it to Jesus, he makes the difference. He says, I am able to make all grace abound toward you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance in every good deed. God's not only going to meet your need, but as you step out in this area to be a world changer, God's going to give you the ability to actually meet the needs of people and be a world changer. I'm telling you, when I first started off, and and most of you I won't get into detail, no, Jill grew up in the church. I did not. I didn't know what tithe was. I didn't know what offering was. I didn't know what giving was. 
when we got married, this is how bad it was. Not that it's ever been bad with my wife, but I, I'm telling a specific story about my ignorance here. She was raised in the church. I was not. Our pastor in Tigard was doing a series on tithing. We had been married, babe, what, six months, maybe? Okay, so somewhere between six months and a year. And I, sitting there, uh, thought, you know, the pastor's talking about tithing, asking people to step out in faith, and it's the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. We need tithe. So I go home, and I said, babe, we, we need to redo our budget because, uh, you know, I, I never had the concept of writing a tithe check. And she looked at me, and, I, and she said, oops. And I said, what oops? She said, I've been writing that. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, that's just something I've always done. And number one, I thank God that she had already been doing it. It took me a while. God had to bring me along. <laughs> but I was there. Then I'll never forget our first uh, moment where we stepped out beyond our ability to tithe, I believe was in the area of missions, and I believe it was for 20, 10, 20 dollars a month. 20 dollars a month, we were going to believe God past our tithe. I want you to know that was hard for me. I was not raised in the church. I was raised where when I bought my first house, I thought I had arrived. And only to have God say, now sell it and go to school. <laughs> that was another step that was difficult for me. But my point is this. Start where you say, God, you said I'm to give my tithe. I'm going to do that. And then if it's 10 cents, and I'm serious. I have people say, oh, that's foolish. You start with a heart that pleases God. Don't start grudgingly or under compulsion. You do it as unto the Lord. You watch and see what happens. I look at Jill and my life now, and if this little 23-year-old would have looked at what God was doing now, I would be scared to death. How does that happen? One step at a time. One step at a time. If I would have taken that step at 23 that I am at now, I, I don't like roller coasters. My li wife liked them. Guess who was the only one that could get me to go on a roller coaster? Jill. Guys, if there's one person that ought to be able to get you to where you say, you know what, I'm just going, it's God. God will not fail you. He will not fail. He will be there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's worthy. He's trustworthy. When he says he will supply in abundance so that you will have something to give when it is there, he will do it. 
And if you do those things, you too will be a world changer. I will close by saying this. Again, I, I, won't, I won't take it out long, but you know as we talked about tithing, that I talked about, you know, it's easy for us to say, well, you know, the world has all the wealth, the world has this, the world has that. But remember, I shared with you, if everybody that just calls themselves a follower of Jesus just did one simple thing, not giving of the offerings, but just tithe, it would be $625 billion a year. That would fund everything and more. But I also leave you with this. How many of you have read about Solomon's temple? How many of you know Solomon's temple was one of the most elaborate, uh, incredible, wealthy places that they had ever put together? Do you know that the children of Israel built the temple not on tithe, on offerings? They did not build the temple of Solomon on tithe. They built it on offerings. My point is that sometimes the American dream has caught us in an area of self and we're consumed with more, more, more when our hearts need to be, God, I'm living for you. What do you want me to do and help me to be a conduit for your grace. Bow your head with me.